Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor... Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante... ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso... A diagnosis of autism can shift the reality of a family in many ways. Today, we speak to a mother who will share her testimony about her son's diagnosis and how it changed her life, how she became an advocate, and what she wants other mothers to know. We are also chatting with Dr. Leon, a research associate professor at the University of Miami and director of applied research and behavioral training at UMNSU CARD. We'll talk about screening, how to address concerns with your pediatrician, when to seek further evaluation, options for evidence-based intervention, and resources. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, We're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Motherish. We are recording tonight at night, which gets me very excited because that means sometimes we involve a little Prosecco, a little wine. <laughs> and tonight is one of those nights. So yes. We have a, a important and I think maybe longer conversation than usually. So mm -hmm. why don't we start off with our motherish moment of the week? All right. So my motherish moment of the week is that the wildly anticipated neighborhood uh, mom group chat cruise is happening this weekend. And, you know, for context, for anyone that doesn't know, it's eight families from my neighborhood. We're all going on a weekend cruise together and like, I feel like I'm 15 and I'm about to go on like, you know, when they did those like did you field do trips, did you do a quinces cruise? I didn't do a quinces cruise. I did a real quinces. <laughs> I did a real quinces. But I feel like, you know, when I don't know, like if you ever did this, like we're in school, you would go to like the next day you would go to like Disney or Islands of Adventure, or Universal Studios for the whole day. And you would go on a school bus and it's so cool. And everybody's like, what are you going to take? I'm taking this. I'm taking that. So. It's just so much fun. Our group chat is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, I think we all have the same color nails. There's like a whole like situation about what we're packing. I'm actually <laughs> really surprised that you're really excited about this because for like the last, I don't know, two years, you've been always saying like, you know, how it's so hard to like, I don't know, like you're always like saying that you're like not as friendly, not as social. And like, yeah. I don't know where you have become like this. I that's know. A that's it's eight a new families meme. for like eight, seven days or what? No, 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 no. It's three it's, days. It's three <laughs> days. It's three days. Yes, there's this much conversation for three days. And the jury is out to see what it's going to be like on Monday when we're back 
because we might not be friends on Monday. No, just kidding. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be so fun, and I'm so excited because the kids are gonna have a great time, and like Victoria is super. Like, I mean, it's gonna be great. So that's my motherish moment. Really deep into my mother friends, like you know, my group, and it's so nice. Okay, so that's nice. I'm excited for you. Well, she's like, she's jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so my motherish moment. So this week I had a. A little tough morning, as I mentioned before. Mornings for me have become a little bit more challenging. Going to school, Ford is amazing when he's doing whatever he wants to do. Like he's such a like independent child. He plays by his own. He's so helpful in the morning. He eats great. But then when it's time to go to school, he's just like, no, not today. I don't want to. So this time it has escalated to him like refusing to get dressed. Like he ran through the whole house and trying to negotiate with him. Like. I didn't want to be late because they already told me you can't be late like a few times. <laughs> really? So I know this is horrible. So I literally had to like put him in my car with no clothes, like naked. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I threw his uniform, his under everything inside the car and I drove down my street. Okay. And then I stopped and I said, we're going to get you dressed right now. So I was like down the street. I stopped the car. I went to the back seat and I got him dressed as him sobbing, like sobbing because He was freaking out that he, I was like acting a little crazy, I think. Yeah. But it, it was really, really love. And then finally I dressed him, I put him in, you know, I put him again in his car seat. He was in the car seat. He was naked, but he was in the car seat. But then I put him back in the car seat and he was just looking at me like, okay. Like, <laughs> things got real. Yes, because I'm like, oh, you're gonna act like this? Okay, then I'm gonna be crazier, you know? So I don't know, it's just like funny to see like, not funny, it's not funny, but I'm saying it's interesting to see how he has developed this like, attitude of like, okay, I'm great as long as I'm doing what I want to do. But the second I am challenged or told to do something else that I'm, you know, I don't want to do, then I'm not having it. You know, that was my mother's moment of the week. <laughs> then he got to school and he's like sobbing and I'm just like apologizing to him. Right? I'm like, I don't want the teacher to see him crying, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be that Wait, but long. you were apologizing to him? Yeah, I was like, hey baby, I'm so sorry. I don't want you to cry. I want you to go to school in a good mood. Like I'm explaining all this like in Spanish. Yeah. You know, he's just like, <laughs> So then like as we're getting into like driving into school, he's still like, like the last stops and I'm just no. like, stop it. Like, stop. You're making me look crazy. <laughs> I know. And then he like gave me a hug and a kiss and I was like, okay. It's so we have uh, two more motherish moments of the week this week because we have two guests. So why don't we have Sharon share her motherish moment of the week? Okay. Um, I'm going to share two, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I have uh, one which was really hard for me and one was really like heartwarming. Our middle son, who is on the spectrum, um, is a really is a challenge to have dinner with him. So he was playing outside with the sand and his toys and his cars, and he was totally in his own play. And then dinner time started, which is not his favorite. To, so to get him inside, that's already like a little bit of a struggle. Mm. But it kind of got out of control. I don't know what happened, but that's something we have to deal with <laughs> and it doesn't happen that often but this time it was really serious and for me the hard thing is with the autism it's really hard to really get through him get through to him mm -hmm. yeah so he really understands what i'm saying so it takes a lot of patience where with the other ones i have two more boys like i will say like okay come on all done let's have dinner mm -hmm. but with him i have to take my patience i have to go Uh, like his level, talk to him, look into his eyes and calm him down. So that was kind of heartbreaking for me because, yeah, I just 
felt so sorry for him that he couldn't understand what we were trying to say to him. But on the other hand, my positive uh, thing this week was that um, we printed some of his art mm -hmm. because we were selling it to uh, support UM cards for autism. And I printed a bunch of his artwork and they were all the same and they were wrapped nicely with stickers on top and his Instagram on it and everything. <laughs> and I put them all on the dining table and I said, tease, tease, come, look at this. And he goes like, that's mine, that's Aww. mine, I made this. And just for him to be aware that we printed his art yeah. and it's out there, that's like, like such a win, like such a milestone for him to recognize that. That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, you guys. It's just sweet. I'm a ma I'm, but I'm always a mess. Come on, you guys. It's just very sweet. That's amazing. And he was proud of himself. So what do we have, Dr. Leon? So, I, I love calling you Dr. Leon, by the way. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a little formal today. Mine, actually, I was just talking to my students as I was leaving today, talking to them about how two kids raised in the same household can be so different, mm. even when they are mm. so close in age. So I have three kids. My two oldest are two boys, Eli and Joaquin. You guys eight and Joaquin is six and they are best friends, but they cannot be more different. So this week they brought home um, all of their work from March and I was looking through all of their things last night and they had both made in their respective classes these little things related to St. Patrick's Day. So they drew out like a leprechaun and a pot of gold. And then there was a prompt and a question that said, what would you do if you found a pot of gold? And Eli, he's my oldest, my like straight nerd. Christy always says like, <laughs> Mr. Virgo, cause he's a Virgo. Um, he wrote, I would leave it there, not touch it and take a picture. And I was like, with a pot of gold. I was like, of course, Eli, <laughs> okay. like my rule follower. And then Joaquin, number two, his was all colored and he wrote, um, I would take all of it and buy infinite packs of Pokemon. <laughs> and I was like, how? This is the same exact project. These two kids were raised in the same exact house. They're best friends, but they could not be more different. That's so, That's so cute. Infinite Pokemon. That's what my house is like. Um, so why don't we formally welcome Sharon? You know, when we decided that we wanted to do something focused on autism and creating awareness and acceptance, we didn't know how to approach it. Do we want a mom who was, you know, a child with autism? Do we want a straight expert? Do we want it? So I think we both kind of came down to the conclusion that we needed both of them. That both <laughs> angles are just as important. And that's how we came across Sharon and Dr. Leon. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your son and how you entered this journey and everything about your story. Yeah. So we are originally from the Netherlands. So we moved like six years ago uh, to Miami. We came with two boys and we now have three boys. So we added one Miami addition to our family. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they were very young. T, so the one who's on the spectrum, he was nine months, I think, when he came here. And we came the end of February, so we couldn't enter any daycare. We had to wait a full hot summer of Miami, so we had a really warm welcome here. Um, but I had all the time to be with them, so it was kind of also a blessing. So I discovered Miami with my two boys and went in and out. But at that time, everything was completely normal. Like mm -hmm. for us, the autism was still normal. But mm -hmm. And he was hitting his milestone. He was having eye contact, um, he would reply to his name, to giggling, like 
like all the mouths that you could see in a regular, a regular neurotypical baby. And then eventually they went to daycare, both of them. And I remember, I think it was around his second birthday. So really late because before that it was just a very relaxed baby. He would mm. stay in his bouncer for hours. Like he would do his naps. He would do like his uh, sleep at night, like both of them. So there was no complaint. The eating was never a good part. Okay, fine. You cannot <laughs> have them all. So like, as long as they sleep, I prefer sleeping above the eating. They will eat something. So it's mm -hmm. okay. And then he turned two. And then with two, I guess, or I feel my experience is that kids will have like a more significant change. The changes between like peers became bigger, mm. like for speech, um, uh, attention, um, the reply to his name went down a little bit, um, the eye contact, everything was there. And then suddenly with the age of two, everything went slowly down. And I remember my parents were in Miami. We had finally like one night together somewhere in Miami, my husband and I. And when we came back, they said like, um, we can't have a lunch and it's um, serious. And we made a list. Um, so we ordered some wine with it. And okay, fine. We ordered some bubbles. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's happening? And it said, don't be angry, but we noticed the, 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 the. This is your parents. My parents. And we're like, yeah. <sighs> we noticed it, but yeah. we didn't know what it was or we didn't connect it with autism because I didn't grow up with someone in my neighborhood with autism or in my family. Like it was totally new for me, but we knew that there was something different than the first one because we have an older mm -hmm. son and uh, we, so, we, so we were kind of released. And um, from there we said, okay, let's start with a hearing test because we thought maybe he has something on his ears because he's not replying. Mm -hmm. So that's where the whole journey started. It was not a hearing. We were in the Nicholas Hospital and the little guy was like this with every <laughs> sound. I'm like, are you joking me? Like, was like... Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene spicy pepper sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa 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 Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Garopay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Lo mejor, lo más impactante está por venir en Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univision. And Dr. Le, maybe we could start with, you know, I always say that the mom's instinct is always the first indicator. Like we always advocate about whatever your instinct is, just follow through, like get professional help, but don't silence your own voice. Yes. Right. True. So what are some of the things that maybe like some moms that maybe are listening, they're thinking, Okay, there's something that I feel, you know, that I should get evaluated or mm -hmm. I should look further into. Like, what are the first, I think, signs, you know, like... I don't even think you need an expert because Sharon already, like, listed all of the things <laughs> immediately. Um, number one, 
Absolutely. I think as a mom, you, you're the expert in your child. So there's a number of providers that are going to be able to help you along your journey. But ultimately, you're the person that knows your child the best and you're going to be your child's most you know, significant advocate. Most pediatricians have some kind of screening process at nine months, at 12 months, at 18 months. Um, not all of them do, but it's fairly standard right now that at minimum, like a checklist or a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may have experienced this that. with your own kids. Like, mm-hmm. do they, um, you know, are they afraid when they hear the sound of a vacuum? Are they afraid of loud noises? Do they line their toys up? So there's usually some kind of screening built into the regular pediatrician visits. But also pediatrician visit is what? Like 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. they're going through a lot of things. Like, what are they eating? Are they sleeping? They're doing all of the physical examinations. So oftentimes, you know, we encounter that parents, even at a very young age, have some concerns that they bring to the pediatrician, like, you know, not making eye, to- eye contact. I say their name and they don't respond to me. They play with their toys in an unusual way, um, usually like lining things up or in some kind of manner that doesn't look functional. What we find sometimes is pediatricians, you know, the good ones will stop and listen and get a little bit more information, maybe make an appropriate referral. Sometimes the pediatricians might say, let's wait until the next visit, which is in six months. You know, I guess later on we'll talk about the the benefits of early intervention. So six months from two years to two and a half years, like that's such a critical yeah. time period that losing that time, if the kid would benefit from intervention, is really a significant loss of potentially changing their entire trajectory if you intervene at two months versus at 30, or excuse me, at two years versus at 30 months. So, you know, we always advocate to parents to be, you know, your child's like most important advocate. In fact, I have a friend recently who noticed, you know, what she thought were some delays at nine months and she knew right away. Wow. Um, and she called me, I was like, you know, just talk to your pediatrician. She's like, well, they said nothing. They said, let's wait until 12 uh-huh. months. And she went at 12 months and he said, you know, I don't see it yet. Let's wait until 18 months. And she's like, forget it. She put him in speech therapy right from the beginning. She's like, I don't need anybody to tell me that there's something wrong. Now, at two years old, he was just diagnosed with autism. And she spotted it at nine months because she knew, you know, she had been around other kids. She felt like the connection was a little bit different. He was responding a little bit differently. But she started intervention even before he received a diagnosis because she had identified all of these things. So, I mean, at a young age, um, I think certainly lack of eye contact, not just eye contact, but lack of um, what we call joint attention, which is really like a coordinated social interaction that includes eye contact. So if you've been, you know, around your kids, for example, if you're outside, <laughs> let's say there's fireworks or like a loud noise, yeah. what are they going to do? They look at it and they look back at you to see like, did you see this? Are you sharing this experience with me? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's something that is missing um, from a child with autism, that joint interaction. They might look at it, they attend to it, they see it because it's something new in the environment. But if they don't have have that social reference. They're not looking mm-hmm. back at you to see mm-hmm. if you're also experiencing that with them. That's often one of like the first indicators that, you know, that's certainly something that I would bring to the attention of a provider. Not responding to name, like Sharon suggested, um, is another early indicator. And then like a very restrictive or repetitive use of toys. Now, young kids, oftentimes, you know, they have one thing that they really like, and that's fairly common with a lot of kids, but you can get them engaged in other things, right? So like I said, Joaquin would want to buy infinite number of Pokemons. My entire house is like filled with Pokemon. And my own kids who are neurotypical have gone through stages where, you know, they're really into fishing and then they're really into Mario. We're going to go see Mario on Saturday. But a lot of kids with autism, one of the core diagnostic features is this like restrictive, repetitive interests or behaviors. They have one thing they hyper-focus on. Mm. They might learn everything about it, every single detail about it to the exclusion of other things. So it may be hard to get them to interact with or, or engage with other toys. What was the next step, Sharon? And I guess maybe the biggest challenge once you got that diagnosis confirmation? Insurance. 
like getting the insurance at the right place and connecting the dots with all the therapy which is necessary in my opinion to get him ready for kindergarten so to you have like maybe some ot and speech like in general mm -hmm. from insurance if you even have an insurance mm -hmm. that's also in the question so you really need the diagnosis to be able to get like more support from your insurance mm -hmm. So when you have that, that takes time as well, because mm -hmm. going to a neurologist takes months like mm -hmm. to have an appointment. The waiting lists are mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. They're super long. So eventually, I remember it was so long that we connected somebody we knew and that person connects somebody else. And via via, we got an appointment maybe in three months. That was again, wow. we had to go to Miramar because there was mm -hmm. nothing here. Mm -hmm. So we went to Miramar because we just wanted to get the diagnosis neurologist said like at that point I'm not totally convinced but I do see some signs and for the convenience also like if you want to start early intervention take the diagnosis mm -hmm. and get started so that's what we did and it was a long journey because the insurance will give you lists like 20 50 pages with names and not where the centers are with combined speech or OT or where there is a center for ABA, it's all persons, like everything is by name. So I had to sort out every person, I had to Google that person or see in which area they are and make like a whole map. Okay, I don't want to drive more than 15 wow. minutes. Oh my gosh. And then eventually like, oh, that's the same address, same address, same address, same address. I'm like, oh my God, there's a center five minutes from my house. And then that's here in Coral Gables. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the name, but it's an amazing center. And we were lucky. It felt like this lottery we won by moving from the Netherlands to uh, the United States where the therapy is already more advanced than in my country, mm -hmm. I feel. I have no experience there, of mm -hmm. course, but it's different. And early intervention is also more here, actual um, what parents do than in the Netherlands. We're more... We waited a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. I was so happy we were here. It was for me like the right time in the right place. Like it felt so much like meant to be. So emotionally sharing, like what was your first, I would say like, you know, we always do like these moms do these like pep talks to themselves. Like what did you tell yourself? Yeah, no, for me, I knew it was different. And when we really heard like the diagnosis, for me, the first time it was a little bit more of a relief. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not crazy. Yeah. It's not me. And um, there's really something different here. And yeah, so really a little bit of a confirmation for us as well. And I was, in a way, I was happy that we finally could do something, like mm -hmm. work with mm -hmm. him, like help him, uh, understand him, uh, support him. Um, but I think when I was in that roller coaster of doing everything, the emotion was a little bit like behind, behind you. Mm -hmm. The emotion comes every year with his birthday of, or when he, like at the age of two and a half, it's still kind of a baby, it's still my mm -hmm. baby. But when he turned four, he's allowed to go to school in the Netherlands and he was so not ready for it. Like, and that's like kind of pain, like made me really sad. Like you're having a different life than expected and mm -hmm. you want to be there for him, but in a way we couldn't and then, it's just a roller coaster, ups and downs, where you have to stop the emotion to be able to get step forward. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then the emotion just hits you. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! 
But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Lo mejor, lo más impactante, está por venir en Tu Vida es Mi Vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univision. I'm curious about this. So the role of the neurologist, mm -hmm. why is it important? Because you would think, okay, if it's behavioral, so like based yeah. on observation, is there actual brain activity yeah. that registers or like... Great question. So, you know, typically the neurologist is one of the first referrals and they do one kind of level or type of diagnosis that is often related just to parent report. So they'll ask you a series of questions and based on what they would expect to see, somewhat of typical development at that age, they will give a diagnosis or not. You know, Sharon talked about insurance. The insurance struggle is real. Um, right now, the insurances are requiring a more comprehensive assessment that's called a comprehensive diagnostic assessment um, or comprehensive diagnostic evaluation that involves um, direct observation of the kid. So it involves typically a licensed psychologist. You know, autism is not diagnosed based on any like brain changes, mm -hmm. there's no blood test. It's a behavioral observation because essentially it's a behavioral disorder. It's a developmental disorder that we can see based on what a kid either does or does not do. They're doing this too much, they're not doing this enough. So that assessment typically looks like, you know, a few hours, the kid is in the room with an assessor, usually a licensed psychologist, and they put them in play situations to see, you know, are they going to recruit attention from another person? How are they using their words? Are they using any words? Are they using it in a social way? How do they use their toys? Are they using it in, the, in this like restrictive manner? So I think that's something that sometimes people may not be aware of, like what that assessment process looks like. They're not going to put your kid like in an MRI machine that mm -hmm. does not diagnose very autism. Friendly, very nice, yeah. yeah. It's a play-based essentially kind of assessment where they're looking for repetitive patterns in one area or, you know, absence of behaviors that they would expect to see in that area. Yeah. Sharon, one of the things that you said that I think really is, is so important is that the results of the assessment really, I think, just help you understand your child, right? Yeah. So like your child is who he or she is. They yeah. have autism or they don't, they have these behaviors or they don't. I think sometimes parents are a little bit worried to get the assessment because of that confirmation. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, do they have it, do they not? So oftentimes people reach out to us, like, should we wait? I'm nervous about the results of them. I think something that is really important, you know, for parents to understand, and you said it so beautifully, is it really just helps you understand your child a little bit more. Like all kids have strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. yeah. Autism is this cluster of types of responses. You tend to behave in this way. Mm -hmm. So once you know or not, right, that your child has that, then it helps you to understand them a little bit more and, you know, be there for their challenges a little bit more than if you're just in the dark, because they're going to yeah. have those challenges anyways. Yeah. So it's just information that then you can use for other things. So I love that you said that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to understand a little bit more about the spectrum, right? You use this terminology. Yeah. And so what does that mean and what does that range look like? Again, it's a great question. Uh, autism, it's a spectrum disorder, meaning that it's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. It's multiple things. It's this heterogeneous disorder. It means a lot of different things for different people. The core diagnostic features of it is lack or um, you know difficulties with social communication. So it's not just that they don't speak or learn to speak. Some people don't, but it's that they have a hard time using words socially. So coordinating words in a social context or using words the same way that you know, a typically developing person would. And then this other domain of restrictive repetitive behavior. So they have very specific interests sometimes. They use toys a certain way. They might, you know, have repetitive body movements, repetitive vocal sounds, but it's a spectrum in that there's a range of, you can be very impacted on one end of it or not very impacted on the other end within each one of those domains. Mm -hmm. So there might be some kids, for example, that use words very well. Mm -hmm. And you talking to them in like an academic or a work context would never know that they had autism, but they have very, very restricted interests. They can only talk about one thing. Right. On the other end, you might have some kids that are a little bit more advanced socially. They might be able to play and they do have that kind of coordinated social interaction, but they don't speak vocally. They have never developed speech. You know, some kids have challenging behavior. Some kids have uh, issues related to sensory input. So there's a number of domains within this like autism umbrella. And the spectrum is kind of related to either deficits or excesses within each one of them. So it's not like there's this one range and you fall on one end or the other. It's there's multiple within them and then there's strengths and weaknesses within all of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for Tis, like when he got his diagnosis, they said like he's mild on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I hear your story, Mm -hmm. like Tis will be the kid who knows speech, he can talk. But we thought we had this like moment that we thought like this kid is never gonna talk. So I remember the mm-hmm. test with a neurologist was the first time he said the word ball, like mm-hmm. out of nothing. He said mama, but that faded away. Mm-hmm. And then we did this test and she was holding the ball and the little kid said ball. And like, we <laughs> cried like so much, like mm-hmm. me and my husband. It was so weird to hear him talk like for the first time. And then it took really long. So now he's almost seven, he's six now. Mm -hmm. He can talk Mm -hmm. and he can definitely make sure I know what he wants, like (laughs) definitely. But like having a real conversation with him, that's not yet there. But I know how to put my question in that kind of way that he Mm -hmm. knows how to answer them. Mm -hmm. So I can communicate with them and he can communicate with me, but it's not like a conversation like, hey, how are you? Oh yeah, what did you do in school? I really have to phrase my phrases mm-hmm. to be able for him to get a reply. And then if it comes for play, he did the cars. We were huge fans of cars, Disney. Mm-hmm. And we bought one car, we bought two, and now we have 50 cars. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have the damaged one. Mm-hmm. And those are like super pricey and you cannot get them. They're like collector items. <laughs> He's like, I want the damaged one. Like, but he will line them up. He will make formations. He will make like a track. He makes a track out of anything like from clay, from paper, from leaves, from pillows, like whatever he can grab, he's super creative, like he will marry. But then the car suddenly faded out and then it was dinosaurs, like only dinosaurs, everywhere dinosaurs, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. And now we enter the phase only drawing, like drawing, 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 drawing. And I don't know if you know the book from Mo Williams with the pigeon, the pigeon, Mm -hmm. don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, your kids will love it. (laughs) 
So he got it in school and one day he comes home and he was drawing this picture from a pigeon. I'm like, who's this pigeon? Because I'm not raised in Borneo, so I don't know about American <laughs> children. And I, he said, that's the pigeon. Like, okay, I'm like going kids' books, pigeon. And then this whole book uh, collection came out about a pigeon. We had like hundreds of pigeons on the floor. Like he will draw the whole story oh, wow. and he can tell the whole book. Like those are the things mm-hmm. for us, but it changes. It goes with. Yeah. How? Are, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how are your other um, two sons? That's your question. Yes. Yes. That we're so aligned. I'm ready. I'm ready to be a journalist. <laughs> um, <laughs> how are your other two sons with teeth? Um, they're amazing, both of them. But it's a very interesting question, also because one of them is older mm-hmm. and one is younger. Mm-hmm. Of course, with having the third, which was not an easy ride for me. Um, was also in question like, okay, but we know we have one with autism. It's not guaranteed the third one will not have autism. Mm-hmm. So that makes the journey even like more wiggly. But I had this vision in my head like, okay, we have this older son who takes really care of these. Is like really my first baby. He's very patient, very caring. Um, he's like really my my soulmate and mm-hmm. he is so caring for teeth and like he protects him whatever happens he grabs him by the hand and he knows exactly how to talk to him but that's not real life mm-hmm. and that's not how the world will treat you so like okay we need some little other kid who <laughs> ruin your toys like mm-hmm. you will make the whole lineup and then somebody will come and will what the little one does he exactly picks his favorite car and of course, oh it's a mess, like yeah, a curveball. Yeah, there. but then we have the behavior therapy, mm-hmm. and Tis is able to um, control himself mm-hmm. because he has been teach how to handle those situations. Mm-hmm. So he goes like, so the youngest is Bo. Bo, uh, uh, don't do that. <laughs> like that's how he kind of talks. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm so happy we did it because. It gives so much more a natural vibe within our family. And I think it's so good for teeth. And now, like, I think it was one month ago, they were playing together. And like, it gives me goosebumps because, like, that is not something very common for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are playing together with his cars. Wow. Like, they can play in the, in the trampoline in the pool. That's mm-hmm. fine. But that's more interaction. Mm-hmm. But with his cars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's yeah. the first advice? Um, the professionals give parents once they get a diagnosis confirmed like how to approach the family how to approach the siblings like yeah so you know one of the really unique things about autism related to your question is because it's a spectrum disorder there really are no two kids with autism that are the same so you know autism inherently requires very individualized intervention Mm -hmm. so putting together a good treatment team really is like the first step after you get insurance. Getting insurance (laughs) approval is the first step. But, um, you know, every kid is going to have different needs. So some kids might have really good social interactions and might not have any behavior problems, but they need a lot of speech therapy because just like the speech production is hard for them. Mm -hmm. Other kids might need very intensive behavioral intervention. Um, Other kids might need OT. Many kids need like an entire treatment package together. So putting together a good treatment team that's going to fill the individual needs of that kid really is, you know, critically important. You know, this month is Autism Awareness, acceptance month there certainly are you know huge strides over the last five years or so in these autism awareness and acceptance campaigns Um, but even if everyone in the world is aware of autism and accepts people with autism you know there still are a lot of skills that 
via therapy, the kids with autism can learn to help them navigate the world a little bit better, mm. right? So again, I feel like Sharon, you and mm. I, we just met and everything yeah. that you're saying, I'm just so on board with. You know, the youngest child, for example, that you just talked about, the world is not like the oldest one, right? Mm. The world is oftentimes like the youngest one. So we need yeah. to equip them um, in a way that they're going to be able to meaningfully interact with the world. Like, of course, we want an open and accepting world. But oftentimes, a lot of the therapies are going to involve skill building in a way that maybe neurotypical kids would pick that up via imitation, right? Mm -hmm. They see other kids doing it. I'm going to try that. A lot of neurotypical kids learn just by imitating what other people do. You know, that is one of the core deficits also of autism. They don't often learn by way of observational learning. They have to be specifically taught how to do certain things. And then once they learn how to do it, then they can do it and it's fine, but they need a structured plan for how to do that. So that's where the therapies really come in, putting together a a team that knows what to teach them and how to teach it and putting them in like this scaffolded situation of we're going to challenge you a little bit more every day in a very safe and structured environment with a lot of support so that when your little brother comes and takes your toys, you can manage that situation and continue to have a relationship with your brother or, you know, be able to have a, a friendship in a classroom. So I think putting together a good treatment team and having someone that can help you assess, like, am I getting all the right things that I need? And are they filling my needs? Are they filling the child's needs in a way that's really meaningful for them? And not yeah. just asking for accommodations, because those are very important to have initial access, but the accommodations are not going to be everywhere. So the therapy really needs to be set up in a way that's going to build those really important skills yeah. to allow them to continue to have access to places. When you think of the future, Sharon, what, what are your the biggest dreams and, and things you want for your son? biggest dream is that he can have an independent life eventually yeah although we're sometimes joking we have a kid forever (laughs) (laughs) but no that's the biggest dream yeah that he can live independently and hopefully he can go to college or do something what he likes if you want to be an artist i'm fine he can do whatever he wants as long as he can be independent yeah yeah and find love i have one more question so what does Understanding that it is a lot of things together, what could an autistic adult, what could their life look like? What are the different ways that this could look? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Right now, there's huge initiatives um, in Miami and across the country to have very kind of meaningful and purposeful attempts of hiring adults with autism. Within the context of the autism spectrum, there are huge proportions of people that don't also have an intellectual disability, right? Mm -hmm. So they have their normal intellectual capacity. They may have these differences in the way that they socially interact. And that can hinder them from being in a meaningful workplace because Mm -hmm. a lot of workplace behavior is these social interactions. So, you know, there's a lot of initiatives right now to include people with autism in the workplace just by way of like doing trainings in the workplace to teach other people, neurotypical people, just how to interact. So it's not just teaching the autistic person, right? It's teaching everybody else, like how um, to tolerate some of the things that maybe they wouldn't have 10 or 15 years ago in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But there, you know, there's huge initiatives here in in Miami. You know, at CARD, where I work, there's uh, a program that we do called Job Seekers, which is for uh, individuals who are looking to seek employment and it takes them through like how to do the interview process, what to wear, personal hygiene, 
And that's just like one small program. And there are lots of companies right now that are taking initiatives yeah. specifically to hire people with autism because a lot of their strengths really can bring a lot to the organization. Yeah, well, of course. Um, if there are plans and supports for, you know, maybe some of those social interactions. Can uh-huh. you explain CARD just briefly? What is Yeah, yeah, sure. So CARD is the Center for Autism and Related Disabilities. It's um, a statewide or state-funded program that has been around almost for 30 years now. I started working there in 2019. It is housed in the different uh, universities across Florida. And it is meant to be essentially a hub or a home um, for families and community providers who either have a family member of someone with autism or uh, provide services to someone with Mm -hmm. autism. It's an across the lifespan program. So for example, if you are a family and you just received an autism diagnosis, you can contact CARD. Everything is of no cost to families. Families do not pay a cent for anything that happens when they engage with CARD. And doing things like identifying who would be a good treatment team. What is the right school? What therapy um, accepts my insurance? Is this a good team? Is this a good fit? And then other community events. So they do a lot of like recreational activities. So for example, you know, sometimes kids with autism, because of like the high demands of social interactions at things like camp, or even just out in the community, they might have a hard time integrating. Yeah. So they run, you know, spring break was just a few weeks ago with Miami Beach. They ran a surf camp specifically for kids with autism. Mm-hmm. They do summer camps, other community activities and events. So it's really like a, a home for someone with autism, a family, to help steer them in the right direction so that you don't have to become an expert in all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, you have and your card. You navigate. They so are like your concierge person to mm-hmm. help you identify where should I go? What should I do? Am I getting what I need? You know, if you're in the public school process, they can help with things like IEP meetings and things like that. Um, and it's a across the lifespan um, service. So, you know, we get a lot of families right when the kid is diagnosed and then at transition moments, like when they're going to middle school and high school, but it goes all the way through adulthood. I don't know if you want to talk about it from the, yeah, the parent perspective. Yeah, you case manager. Mm-hmm. So you have like one case manager, so you can always contact like the same person. So you don't need to go to different persons for any other topics. It's mm-hmm. just that case manager and she can help you out. Yeah. yeah, We have been on and off. Like we mm-hmm. started there, they helped us, then we were fine. And then there was a bump in the road. Yeah. And then we're there for the bumps. If that's like the tagline. Yeah, yeah. And I met some wonderful moms there also. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, there's yeah. support groups, um, which I think is really helpful probably for, you know, for parents. We do sibling groups. Actually, you guys were just talking about the siblings. Mm-hmm. For siblings of people with autism, they do a dad's group. I feel also there's so much information, even from parents who yeah. don't have children with autism. Like, and I was social media. We always talk about this. Like sometimes you go into this like <laughs> black hole of content. where you're just like (laughs) questioning everything and like you know and just like really overwhelmed with so much information and like sometimes you get misled and overstressed and everything especially when you have like even when I was pregnant I think Mm -hmm. I don't know what I went to at every point the the sec I mean at least related to motherhood I feel like the second that you know you're pregnant it's like the internet knows also (laughs) and it starts like telling you what you should do what you shouldn't do like I was thinking about what you were saying earlier uh, early intervention and how as the parent you know you can observe certain things but like I was thinking of it in the context of you know a mother who may or may not be dealing with postpartum Mm -hmm. a mother who may or may not Mm -hmm. be dealing with anxiety and thinking like is it me like that's so hard that's so much I think that must be very challenging it's challenging as it is Mm -hmm. and I feel like this adds another layer of complexity and responsibility, you know, as the parents. Is there anything else, Sharon, you want to share? What do you want other moms to know? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Like, I know 
we've been saying that and you've been saying that also in your podcast like so many times don't be afraid for help mm-hmm. because you're not alone and you do need those people like you need them and you need them hard yeah mm-hmm. and also don't be afraid to have a diagnosis if you want to take it away a year or two years later because because the kid is totally fine because you did the speech therapy because you did occupational therapy behavior therapy you can do that that's totally fine but you in that moment you were able to help the child i think that's the most important and don't compare like it's easy to say and we everybody compares and i compare but look at your own child look at your child what your child needs where his needs are where his strengths or her strengths are and build on that like we make now for um, occupational therapy yeah he's learning again about uh, sensation emotion everything just look at him like what's his interest what is he good at and then they apply it yeah so look at your child ask for help and don't be ashamed like mm-hmm. do what feels good for you yeah and talk about it because i write about it i talk about it and because of that i know so much more mm-hmm. Because otherwise it was just me. And um, I hear so much and I can share so much. And I'm really grateful that I can help in my own way other parents to help them in this journey. Because it's a journey for life. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. This was great. Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawaii es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor. Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante. ¿Por qué? Soy tu madre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en. ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso. Sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees?